Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Ernie C, the Gap Tooth Genius, and I present to you the 120th episode of the Shoot That Shit. Shoot the shit. You'll get the shit. Who that? Is that the Gap Tooth Genius, Ernie C, the host of the STS podcast, presenting to you the 120th episode? Good Lord, we should be on 140th, honestly, but damn, we are not being consistent. But damn, it's a miracle that we got another episode out in less than two weeks. Welcome to episode 120. I am your host of the STS podcast, shooting the shit like always. Ernie C, the Gap Tooth Genius, fresh off 119, talking about Hunter Biden. Hope you guys check that out. They were talking about the grind of basketball, Vegas, vacation seems so far so long ago i think we need another one and man speaking of another one we're probably never gonna see rick flair in the ring again and we're gonna talk about that shortly but first make sure you guys check us out the sts podcast 661 we're on facebook and twitter apple Podcasts, google play whatever you can find your favorite pod i promise you we're gonna get you shooting the shit and hopefully we become your favorite episode um favorite sts favorite podcast whatever the fuck you want to call this thing we're gonna be that again sts podcast 661 on twitter and instagram make sure you follow us on apple podcast spotify anchor iHeartRadio. we're everywhere y'all and man we got a bunch of news everywhere this week uh we're gonna just glance over the news i need think we just needed to vent a little bit i need a venting session uh we have rick flair talk about bill russell r.i.p uh, we got, let me see, Vince McMahon leaving the WWE. I know we usually save the pro wrestling talk for our wrestling pod, but I think that's something that we really need to talk about today. And man, shout out to Danny Garcia. But first, it's August 1st, man. Back, episode 120. It's an honor to be back. It's every every time we, we bless the podcast in the, the podcast room, it's an honor to be in here. I, uh, I love doing this. I love venting this is my venting session so i hope you guys are ready for that i appreciate everybody listening everybody rocking with the shooting the shit podcast again august 1st man uh been up since 4 45 a.m if you guys keep up with what's going on you know i'm the head coach of the girls basketball program at foothill high school my first ever um head coaching gig first time i've ever been um you know entrusted with a whole program and it's it's surreal. It's very um in, it's it's very uh challenging. It's very rewarding. And it's it's a lot on your plate. If you're not prepared for it, don't do it. I want to tell you guys that I think I came in this really prepared. Uh a lot of stuff that you know, I kind of foreseen a lot of these issues. Some of them I did not foresee cuz you don't know what kind of kids you're going to have. I have, you know, I have a great group, but you still no no group is perfect. There is no such thing as a team without problems, good or bad. It could be great problems to have, good problems to have, uh bad problems to have, right? Uh and it's 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 just interesting that you know how we adapt and how we adjust. And I think if you're going to be a, a coach on this level, you have to Really, just keep pushing. You got to have a short-term memory, develop that fast, and you better get over your trust issues with your staff. You get over that fast. That's why you bring a staff that you know is going to really present your vision to the players and be that echo. I think every assistant, and I've been there, I was there all my coaching life, you be the echo of what the coach you know, is requiring the vision. Um, we all have a goal. It's not about wins and losses. There's a goal about, you know, making sure this program is uh, respectable 
off and on the court. It starts in the classroom. You have to remember these kids are student athletes, and uh, I think that's something that we all, as men, as coaches, women, we need to make sure that our egos are left at the door. We have a long way to go. We just released our 2022-23 Foothill High Trojans Women Basketball program schedule so that's going to be an interesting year we have some tough competition it's not going to be a walk in the park i think with this program they are used to a day off when they see the foothill trojans on their schedule and it's not going to be like that anymore no one's going to come in our house and stomp on us they're going to we're going to fight fight like hell and i know we are i love this group we have i see it i know there's some girls that we're going to push beyond their limit mentally physically spiritually we're going to do all that because they need it a lot of them um never been pushed this hard before uh especially you know when we like this morning the ac wasn't on the damn gym we we grinding though they hurting but we we're going to push them and they know that it's all it's now that we we know we've been team bond a lot of team bonding a lot of um conversations off the court uh they know we care about them so now they're going to work and we're going to continue to care about them. We're going to give them tough love when needed. We're going to show them real love when needed. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting year. I honestly don't know. I can't tell you guys if we're going to have a winning record, if we're going to have a losing record. I just want to compete. It's been my number one goal all the year is competing, competing, competing. And try to nip the problems that I foresee as soon as I can. I know we're not going to nip every problem, every problem as it as it. Um, I guess as it uh, shows itself, but we're gonna definitely try to. I think that's part of the that's part of the process. Being the head the head coach, you know, uh, I'm excited to you know announce that we added another coach, Jabri Allen. Uh, came highly recommended from Coach DJ, and I'm really honored to have this kid on our staff. He's gonna do really well for us. He was on he was on my radar a couple years ago when I started coaching the Highland. You know, any event I ever I wanted to do. My own program, even um, when I was thinking about doing some stuff at Foothill, I've always thought they would be great as assistants um, on any staff. And it's him and his brother. But Jabri came on and uh, it's crazy. I, I Coach DJ messaged me one day, said, hey, I got this other coach from GSA. He does really well with my kids and I think he'll do great with our girls here at this program. Um, I said, OK, we'll start him at Frostsoft, you know, and I'm, I'm, a par- I'm a paranoid man anyway. I'm always thinking... 20 different scenarios, right? What if, what if, what if? I, I, that's the way I am. I think you do have to be a little paranoid in this position, especially if it's your first year. You want to make sure everything you're doing, you're doing everything right. You're doing everything um, for the benefit of the program. Just making sure that, you know, if we bring a coach on, is it really has, how are we going to maximize the skills to maximize our performance on the court? And once I seen Jabri at the park with us, I was like, oh, man, I know this, every doubt, every anything that I had lingering, was dead right there uh so i'm really honored to have jabri on our staff and you and it's crazy now 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 that i'm in a position to give opportunities out it's a it's it's great to do you it's it's a how do I you pay it forward i remember when i first when i first told dom dom stancil he was uh our J, the jv coach at foothill when i first started about five six years ago I remember telling him that I wanted to, you know, help out. It's my alma mater, you know, and he let me just do stats. I started off with just doing stats. Uh, then started off in the weight room. Started off doing strength and conditioning with the boys. We all wanted to come in, just give me a chance. We'll, we'll work with you. We'll get you stronger. And it, it just, you know, then started being one of the assistants with Frost Soft. And then JV and then varsity my last year there. It's like I was given the opportunity and this is what happened. You know, I was able to. 
to take those chance to take those opportunities and make the most of them, no matter what school we were at and where I was at. And now to be able to give coaches like Eileen, coaches like Jaquel, Chloe, who coached with us last year at Highland, but just to give our first year coaches, Jabri and Eileen, that experience needed. You have to get your feet wet somehow. So I think the best thing for them is to start, you know, throw them in the fire. You know, they, especially Eileen's been with us for the last few months, kind of picking up on what our expectations are of the student athletes, but of ourselves too. Uh, especially when you're a coach. I learned this past week too with Coach Dahl. Shout out to Coach Dahl at Bakersfield College. Please check them out. Go watch them play women's basketballs on the rise in Bakersfield. Coach Dahl let, lets her assistants really run the show. And you got to have that trust. And sometimes you got to step back. And when you got to step in and just, you know, tink, uh, yeah, I guess uh, tweak some things, you'll do that. But you have to trust your staff. And I really learned that this week at this basketball camp we had at, at BC. And it's amazing to see. Uh, it's amazing to learn that. It's amazing to see that, you know, other coaches do that. And you and I really respect Paula Dahl. I always respect her. I think she's been the BC coach for the last 28 years. We'd love to have her on the podcast. Hopefully, we could do that soon. It's an honor to see how much she cares about her girls and what's really important. And I was telling one of my one of my players this the other day. You know, I'm not worried about you in basketball. I'm worried about you as a kid, as a person. Basketball is like third on the list. It's you, school, basketball. Basketball is easy. I'm not worried about basketball. I'm worried about you. You're no good to me if you're not mentally healthy, if you're not in a happy spot, if you're not in a good place in your little mind. And I think that's so important that we need to talk to our student athletes about more than basketball, more than what's going on in court. How's life going? You know, what are your goals after high school? What do you do? You know, what, 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 how are you going to finish your summer? What's your plans during the summer? How's your family structure? What's going on? Um, you know, what's bothering you today, kid? Stuff like that. Like, if we could talk these, you know, we could talk these student athletes and try to guide them in any any direction that's positive. I think we're winning as as coaches, as a program, as a staff. It's bigger than basketball. And I, I learned that, too, you know from several coaches i think we always we have a saying that basketball is the easy part what about your life what about you what are you going to do because basketball is not going to be forever you're not going to play this game of high school basketball forever so what are you going to do how can i provide life lessons through this game to prepare you for the real world and it's um it's pressure but i'm i'm more than capable of of uh, my staff and i are more than capable of coming through for these student athletes and it's, it's an honor to be able to give chances out to first year coaches um we need people who are hungry i think when you have staff that are really hungry to win and grind and show that what they're capable of you're gonna be they're, they're gonna take on your mentality my mentality is throughout this year is i'm hungry i have a chip on my shoulder a lot of naysayers a lot of people who didn't think i was ready for this spot we're gonna take it and we're gonna have a firm grip on it we're gonna do everything the right way and we're going to have some tough conversations. We're going to have some hard conversations. But I'm going to always be open with my staff, with my players. I'm not going to hide anything. I want to be, this is what I want. This is what I expect. If you can't provide that, then take a seat on the bench, kid. And it's going to be like that throughout my career at Foothill. Hopefully, it's a long career. You know, I don't, I hope this isn't a two, three-year thing. I don't want to get fired shit. And that is in the back of my mind, too. But I think we have the tools that we're going to be a respectable program. And sometimes that's all you need, man. That's all you got to be aware of that. And it's uh, again, I'm glad I can vent on this podcast. You got to really be aware of what's going on. Um, 
it's a crazy thing, you know. And uh, shout out to everybody who supports Foothill High, Tro- Foothill High Trojans women's basketball. We need all the support. Come to the hill. Come support us. Come check us out. You know, we have several fundraisers once a month. So check, uh, you know, check us out. Support when you can. You know, these girls are working hard. It's not easy to play for our staff and I. And I think we're gonna do really well. And I'm just not talking shit. I think we're gonna do really well with what we have. It's gonna be a it's a long, long road. Some and then I know, you know. September, um, November doesn't feel, November feels far away, but it's right around the corner. So we have a lot of work to do, but we've got a lot of work done. And it's just, it's, it's building every day. We're building. It's not supposed to be easy. You know, we're going to really keep grinding, stay hungry and uh, just keep going. And you no, know, that's what we got to show up. Part, you know, that's 50% of it showing up, bring your A game every day. And uh, I'm glad to be a part of it. Really honored to be here, and I hope it continues. Uh, man, so we got a lot going on right now. Vince McMahon just, you know, this is last week's news, but I think I should speak on it. Uh, I'm a Mark. You know, a Mark is someone who's really into wrestling. I'm really, I'm, I'm still, I still get, I still get lost in it. I still think it's real. I still think um, wrestling is one of the best sports in the world still. Uh, next to basketball, it's my favorite sport. I don't miss a lot of wrestling. And I, I could have swore, you know, Vince, I thought Vince was going to die being the chairman, being the boss. I thought he was going to go down with his company until the end of his life. And and I guess we, we, we're we not going to really, I don't, I'm not going to talk about the allegations that much. You know, we know what's going on. Uh, he was, a, you know, they found out he paid some woman, to, some hush money, some acquaintances. You know, he, he had them um, just stay quiet about their affairs, some hush money, I guess you could say. Took about fourteen million out, and you know I don't think that's illegal, you know, especially in a position like that. I think they would, you know, being someone who you know infidelity, you know, he is a married man. We're not condoning that either. He's a, he that's not okay. But again, I'm not here to judge anybody. I'm here to talk about my my love of pro wrestling, and there's no denying that without pro without Vince McMahon, there is no WWE. There's no WWF at the extent that it is now. I'm not gonna fall in love with the Ultimate Warrior, Hogan. Taker, uh, Bret Hart, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, Take, uh, Mankind, uh, man, so many legends, Sergeant Slaughter, Mr. Perfect, Rikishi, Kane, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Owen Hart, I'm trying to think it was a straight WWE guys how I first got introduced, like, I can't really say Ric Flair. Ric Flair was a main man before he went to WWE. Um, those legends, man, they, they got Vince McMahon provided provided that from my childhood. And he's someone I've always looked up to. He's the one I've I've heard stories, so many stories, I've, you know, on YouTube and stuff. Like, just hearing people talk about how his work ethic, his grind, he hates sleep. He works out every night. You go with what you got. Get the match in the ring. Um, sometimes you got to eat shit and like it, pal. Like, things like that, it's like, I take that mentality on, I take that shit seriously, because I, I always looked up to Vince in a weird way, that's why I say I'm a mark, um, and see, it's crazy to think wrestling's gonna move on without him, but we knew this was inevi- inevitable, he was gonna pass away one day, right, and I didn't know, I didn't think he was gonna retire like this, um, you know, this past year in Mania, we've seen how old Vince is getting, and it's inevitable. Man, is 78 years old, 77 years old. It's inevitable. And it's just, part of me is really sad about it. Um, again, just the memories, you know, I just love that 80s 
cartoon wrestling, the you know, Hogan slamming Andre, Hogan and Savage, Savage and Warrior, uh Yoko Zuna and Bret Hart, you know, the Rockers, Shawn Michaels kicking Marty through the window, uh, Nation of Domination, the Rock coming out, you know, being a heel. Even rock with his dad, Rocky Johnson. Just those Vince McMahon calls with with Gorilla Monsoon, not Gorilla Monsoon, Jesse Ventura, uh, with Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler at one point. The Strut, no chance in hell. It's me, Austin. You know, Brett screw Brett. There's so many <laughs> memories with you know Vince McMahon, and uh, you you know he he inherited this. He brought this from his father. You know, he and he took a chance. If you seen the impact, and if you know the impact he had on wrestling, just taking the chance of making this a national thing besides a territory thing, uh, it's 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 crazy. It's just the impact, you know. And I don't care what anybody says. Wrestling is not what it is today without Vincent Kennedy McMahon, and it's 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 awesome. It was awesome. It's a great run. He's the greatest promoter of all time. You know, this wrestling circus that he has is is amazing. It's my childhood. I'll never forget Vince. I love Vince. And I only know the man. I love Vince McMahon, though. Um, you got to respect it as an entrepreneur taking chances, you know, fighting the government a couple of times with steroids and, you know, overcoming WCW, taking risk and making wrestling bigger than it ever has. You see how much these people are getting paid off Peacock, the network? Like, he envisioned this. He's a, he's a visionary. And I'm sure people, you know, and I haven't been happy with some of the booking. I ain't happy with some of the content that WWE's produced in the last 10 years. But you got to respect what his impact on the overall, the big picture of history is. Um, the new, the, And then what happens now? The, what's next? You know, I think they named Nick Khan and Stephanie McMahon the CEO. Triple H is now the head of creative. I'm sure Vince owns all the like, majority of stocks. You know, he's still going to get paid, but it's not his show anymore. What's going to happen with the talent? What's going to happen with the storylines? What's going to happen with the history of WWE? Are they going to preserve it? Are they going to really... It's, 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 we're going to continue the show. I think Vince's biggest thing, too, the show must go on. And the show is going to go on. I'm really interested to see what creative, what, creatively what we do with our talent now. Is there going to be talent who kind of shied away from Vince's... You know, I think with Vince, once you hit that glass ceiling, he can't, doesn't see any more for you, you're done. We see how many people have been released. Are those people? Are some of those going to come back? Not all of them. Some of them were never going to make it, and that's okay. That's okay. That's why there's AEW. That's why there's Ring of Honor, Impact, Indies, all that good stuff. But Bray Wyatt, someone I would love to see come back. Um, shit, MJF is he going to come through in a couple years? I know he still has like another year in his contract. I would love to see him coming to WWE. Cody Rhodes. What happens to Cody now? Think Cody was really benefiting from that Vince booking. Vince knows how to build a star. No matter what anybody says. Look at the legends I mentioned in the beginning of this um segment. Vince knows how to build a star. If he wants to build you, he's gonna build you. He's gonna build you strong. He's gonna make sure you're pushed strong. It's not about wins and losses, it's about the presentation. I think Vince McMahon is the best in the world, best that's ever done it at presenting these superstars of the world wrestling entertainment. And what happens with that run? Uh it's just, you know, again, all things must come to an end. Those are the questions here. But then again, do we have more freedom now? Is there going to be more freedom on the screen? Is there going to be more freedom with our commentary, with our promos, with our storytelling? Is there going to be more, um, are, are all the superstars going to come, be able to come up with a little bit more of their own stuff? I think I think Triple H is really, well, at least what he presents to us, like he's really has an open door policy to his talent he understands that's going to take everybody 
all hands on deck to keep pushing. Make sure we produce product, produce product and content better than ever. It's going to take everybody to produce something better than ever than we had the last 40 years under one guy. Um, is this creative now going to be catering to everybody's eyes, not just one person's eyes? I think we we can utilize Paul Heyman, Bruce Pitchard, Kevin Dunn, Triple H. You know, I'm sure Triple H is going to use Shawn Michaels in NXT. I'm sure he's going to bring back a couple of his boys who have good vision for the for for business. I think he's going to bring back. I'm sure he's going to bring a few people around who are good for business to produce this content that um we do miss. I do miss a serious product. AEW is giving me that to a certain point, but AEW is really an indie show, and I'm okay with that. I'm not going to complain about that at all. I think it's really important that um we continue to push the envelope evolve what's going to be next for wrestling and uh it it, it moving on from Vince McMahon is in, is going to help that evolution of wrestling the next phase of wrestling the, that phase was going to come no matter what no matter what there was going to be that phase without Vince it just happened to be now and uh it's going to be interesting man i'm i'm again i'm sad about it i'm not sad about his accusations no i'm not going to ever catch me saying whatever he did was right and but again, I'm not saying he committed a crime. There's no crime committed here, in my opinion. If he wants to swack whoever wants to swack and pay him off and to shut up, honestly, that's up to him. He has to live with that on his conscience, right? Uh, man, I'm going to tell you one thing that's living on my conscience right now. Did we just see Ric Flair's last match? The 73-year-old man. Let me just say this first of all. Twitter is an evil place. Twitter we make <laughs> has jokes, too. Ric Flair is... 73 years old, coming off a horrific medical condition. Half his intestines were pulled out. Man drank himself to death for a while. Damn near on his deathbed, right? And he had the gall to come back and say, I want to end it my way around people who love me. Did you guys expect the man to look 50? He looks shitty at 50. He looks shitty at 60. What did you guys expect from a 73-year-old man who has not laced him up in almost 10 years? What did you guys expect? We'll watch a little bit here live. <laughs> it was, you know, again, if you haven't seen it, Rick Flair's ma- last match was with um, Nashville in Nashville, Tennessee. Real big real big arena. I think this arena was one of his best matches with Steamboat, he said. And uh, it's, it's one of the last Jim Crockett productions or promotions we'll see. Jim Crockett promotions really ran the South. And it was Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal versus Andrade and Ric Flair. Andrade is Ric Flair's real son-in-law. Um, he's married to Charlotte Flair. Uh, Conrad Thompson is his son, has another son-in-law that his daughter married. Another man that his daughter married. And he he ran this production, ran this promotion all week. It was one of the you know one of the events of Starcast. Starcast is um, revolving around SummerSlam. When some, when WWE's in town, you're gonna have these pop-up shows. And it was it it was amazing. I thought. The spectacle of it all is amazing. I'm not saying, God, just seeing Ric Flair look like he's about to die in the fucking ring is horrendous. But I'll tell you one thing. Jeff Jarrett, we need to appreciate that, man. He is such a fucking heel. And I love it. The fans hate him. He's doing his job. Uh, it's nice to see Mike uh, Mike Criota, Mike Coyota in the in the middle of the ring here, too. Uh, let's see here. Ric Flair, you know, just, man, not going to lie. Those chops were a little slower than I remember. But people, it's a nostalgia factor. It's pure nostalgia, man. 
I think, and you had to remember, this guy is 73 years old. He has to pick his spots. He's not going to be doing the flying knee off the middle buckle anymore. He's not going to come with, you know, he's not going to have the charisma that he used to have. Well, maybe the charisma. He's not going to come with the endurance that he used to have. It's amazing to see Undertaker, Bret Hart, and Mick, and Mick Foley just watching this, especially when... Oh man, they're just watching this. This is awesome. And you can just see their reaction. It's it's awesome. And Flair's just man, Flair's just over here being the dirtiest player in the game. Still bleeding. Got you know, great blade drop. Karen Jarrett coming over here just trying to scratch his back. Oh man, this is awesome. It just getting lost in the moment, man. Just see Rick bleed one more time on his knees. Jeff Jarrett just fucking antagonizing him, just getting ready to go. Give him a good kick. No soul that shit. No soul to tell him, hey, get up, my guy. You man, that look bad. This and you can't even lie, it looks kind of bad. There is some shit here that looks horrible. But then again, he's a 73-year-old man. What would you expect? Think of the no sell. God, that sounds fucking horrible. Oh my god, Rick. Can't even go on top of this fucking turnbuckle. But hey, tell you guys this, Jay Lethal, Jeff Jarrett worked around this man brilliantly, brilliantly, oh man, he's about to take the snap suplex, oh, he's taking the suplex, ah, God, amazing, and he could, and that's why Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett are so good, they're working around it, they're distracting the crowd too with their hill tactics, it's fucking amazing, he couldn't even kick out of that if he wanted to. Good save by Andrade. Good job working around Flair, like I said. But, God, it's so sad to see him. He's exhausted. He's exhausted. Hey, but it's just, man, Rick, hey, Jeff Jarrett looks fucking amazing, man. For what it is, I know he's about 52 years old, too. But, God, he he could still go. He carried the match. Hey, you got to be a little more entertainment at this age, too. All of them, except for Jay Lethal and Andrade. Hey, Jay, Jeff Jarrett, Double J. J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T. Awesome. Great sell. Great sell, man. Ric Flair is selling the fuck out. Here comes Andrade off the top rope. Amazing. Good crossbody on... Oh, God. It's awesome. Again, you can't... You would, I don't know what you guys expected... From a 73-year-old man who has not wrestled in years, who's come off his deathbed. It's amazing shit to see. The guitar shark was amazing. And of course he's going to finish with his patented figure four. This is amazing. Oh, what a great sight. Great sight. And we love seeing Mick Foley just mark out too, man. Enjoying the moment. And by the way, uh, they both had their fucking shoulders down, so it's a double count out. But we're not going to say, we're not going to, we're not going to shit on it. We won't shit on it. It's amazing to see this. Nostalgia has been running rampant in wrestling the last couple of days. All these podcasts, all, and that's me too shit. I'm a weird signing up for um, Conrad's podcast every month. Such a great nostalgia factor, man. Everybody wants to know what's going on behind the scenes. Everybody wants to relive their childhood. Everybody wants to feel like a kid again, right? It's amazing, man, and just the speech afterwards, and just seeing Taker and Man or Mick Foley and Bret Hart embrace Rick. Like you could put any of those four guys on your Mount Rushmore, and I don't think there's an argument for that. You could say right now the Mount Rushmore is Flair, 
Taker, Mick Foley, and Bret Hart. Is anybody going to really argue with that? Especially you put their accomplishments and accolades in that squared circle. There's no way it gets better than that. There's no way. And it's just to see those guys embrace Ric Flair in his last match, bravo. Fucking bravo. He survived. I think Rick, Rick wanted to fucking die in the ring. And, God, he's a 16-time world champion. He's Rick fucking Flair. He is the greatest of all time. And it's and just to see, it, it's amazing to have him just get in the ring again, man. It was it, this whole weekend revolved around his retirement, and it's it's awesome. And I know a lot of people weren't happy about it. It was tough watching it. It was tough seeing an old man get beat down and cut and bladed up, bleeding everywhere. Even the promo, you know, the promos going, you know, approaching the show uh, with them, him getting beat down in the parking lot. It it was hard to watch, but. You know he is Ric Flair. This is what he signed up for. He's not going to back down. And whenever his day comes, I hope we remember the greatest of all time, the work rate. And we can't, we, we don't even, we can't even imagine the work rate when he's when he's with NWA and Crockett. You know, doing six shows a, a a week, maybe eight shows a week, two towns a day. Uh, that grind is is gnarly. That grind is, un- I know the grind is still tough now, but back then, you renting your own shit, you paying for your own hotel, you making the towns 300 miles away right after you, la- like that rush and just to come down and you got to get some sleep, you got to get work, you're working out, you know, you have fame, and Ric Flair did that for 40 years, damn near, two, maybe longer, Ric Flair is the baddest man in the game, he's never been a mid-carter, he's never been, he's always been the main event. And to maintain that is astonishing. It's, there would never be another Ric Flair. Uh, you know, I think I seen this too the other day with the Undertaker documentary. They said, you know, The Rock was only around for about seven years. Austin was on top for maybe three or four years. Brett was on top for about nine years. Ric Flair has been on top since the beginning. Legendary. Let the man go out the way he wants. Stop acting like you're going to see a 50-year-old Ric Flair. We're, and I know, I know, I know Shawn Michaels sent him off the way he was supposed to be sent off. The whole, I'm sorry, I love you, and giving the super kick and him crying after he, you know. And honestly, Ric Flair should have lost this match. If we're going to stick to old-time tradition, Ric Flair should have been staring at the lights. But we know how it is now. This is, this is what he wanted to do. This is the way he wanted to go out. And I'm all for it. I, I enjoyed it. Um, Tough to watch, but hey. I think that's the way uh, that's the way it is, and I'm I'm all for it. Uh, if you've seen this past weekend's fight, uh, just want to give a quick shout to Danny Garcia, pro boxer, came back this week against uh, Jose Benavidez. I be- I put money on Jose. He, I thought you know he I thought he had a little bit of his brother in him. Has nothing like it. Danny Garcia has been off for a while now. Uh, let me just double check as well. We have the internet. Let me just check something out real fast here. He made his you know he had a layoff and. Uh, let me see here. Let me look at this real fast. Danny Garcia's boxing record. You know, he's Danny Garcia is 34 years old. He fought. He lost to Errol Spence in 2020. December 5th was his last bout against Errol Spence. Um, and again, that was almost two years ago. Long layoff. And he came in, you know, he looked, he moved up in weight. He looked solid. And I'm a Danny Garcia 
hater. I'm not gonna lie, but his interview with um, damn, what the fuck's his name? I should know this stuff. Jim Gray, his interview with Jim Gray, man, it's up there. Especially with the, you know, this this is the age that mental health is. How do I say this without making it sound like it's not a big deal? Mental health is definitely um, in the scope of things. Mental health is finally being understood that this impacts you just as much as your physical health. This impacts you just as um, as much as anything spiritually, physically. Mental health is probably the, the, the most important aspect of your health. And now it's a, there is a scope on it. There is a platform for it. And to see our athletes talk about what they're overcoming mentally is a big deal and just to see Danny Garcia man weep cry just saying that man I overcame this anxiety this self-doubt there's a lot of pressure especially at that level which most of us will never feel will never understand the amount of pressure it takes to walk in to prepare for a fight to have twitter people people on twitter saying you fucking suck I hope you die you're overrated you know, your dad is a fucking coward. All this shit I'm sure they say on social media about Danny Garcia and co. And just for him to admit, like, I need to take that time away from the game to get my mind right. And I'm still struggling with mental health, anxiety, self-doubt. People don't think that's a big deal, but that's it's a horrible thing to feel self-doubt. It's a horrible thing to feel like, you know, am I going to still be that guy? But he said, I needed to be in the ring. I needed to be what I am. That's a fighter. And it was amazing to see. It was amazing for him to, to see that raw emotion. That was real. And Jim Gray had some great questions. He's still dealing with it, but this is how I get over. I come in here and I fight. I am who I am. This is what I was born to do. I'm going to fight till I can't anymore. Kudos to Danny Garcia, man. Kudos to him. Amazing to see our athletes um open up like this I think it's necessary especially now now that I see it and I've always seen it with these kids but these kids gotta understand that the mental health is such an important thing but you can't overcome almost anything you put your mind to but you gotta be open about it you gotta tell me what's going on you gotta let us know if you're gonna seek help you gotta let me know if I can help you help me help you and kudos to Danny Garcia man I'll never doubt that guy again um he gained a fan honestly gained a fan just by being raw being honest and just letting his fans know that, man, I'm, I'm going through, but I'm, I fight. Y'all give me the strength. Y'all let me know that I'm loved in this ring. And it's kudos to him. I'm glad he pulled off the victory. Uh, shout out to Danny Garcia, man. Uh, real fast, we got to, I don't think it'll be, it's, it want to be um, acceptable if we don't talk about the great, legendary Bill Russell, number six, Boston Celtics. He passed away yesterday. Uh I'm a big basketball fan, big, big basketball fan, history of basketball, eight straight championships. People forget that this man was the first black coach in NBA history. He aver- Did he average over 50 rebounds in one season? I think him and Will are the only ones to do this. I have a page up. Let me just confirm real fast. I'm almost certain. Let's see. Yeah, man, I think him and Will Chamberlain are the only men to grab 50 rebounds in a game. Not an average, sorry. 50 rebounds in a game. Uh, I remember, he, you know, University of San Francisco, 
Boston Celtics. I think he had a little run with the Supersonics, the Kings as a head coach. I remember that. But, man, talk about a winner. 11-time NBA champion. 12-time All-Star. 3-time All-NBA first team. 8-time All-NBA second team. NBA All-Defensive player. 4-time rebounding champion. He was on the NBA uh he was on the NBA anniversary team, top 50 players, top 75 players, two-time NCAA champ. I believe he was a state champion in high school also. Number six is retired by the Celtics. Um, got the Presidential Medal of Freedom. As a coach, he was a two-time champion also. So he's a 13-time eh, I guess they count that too as 11 time, you know, 21,000 assists. And I'm sure that, that I, you know, I only think they kept track of some of these stats um, in the beginning of his career. So God, just, and just being a civil rights activist also standing up uh, for, for, for the minority of the time in the NBA, black people were the minority in the NBA at one point, especially during the fifties and sixties, the respect discrimination was at an all-time high during these times. You remember you, this pictures with him and MLK um, with Ali, with Kareem. This is the, he used his voice. He was the athlete. He is what you, what you would call one of those that stood up stood up for what they stood stood, uh, stood up for what they believed in. Being the first black coach in NBA history, and Nick who's followed that that road with him. You could name look at the majority of the of our coaches now. Um, I seen this thing uh, and man, his laugh, who <laughs> infectious laugh, uh, rivalry, just the rivalry between him and Wilt Chamberlain. That's one of the first rivalries I remember, and just winning, doing whatever it takes to win. Eight eight straight championships in a row. Don't care who he played against. That's a fucking accomplishment, man. Um. Standing up for, you know, uh, how do I say this? Not just civil rights, but even the Vietnam War. I remember reading books about that, how he was really vocal about us being over in Vietnam, using black soldiers for this fight that wasn't theirs. Uh, man, it you know, being, he. I remember him being on commentary. I remember them watching highlights. You remember those sports centuries back in the day? Uh, that was awesome. Just, and this is his, his later years, you know, when he was, I remember when he had, I think it was David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, maybe Akeem, maybe Shaq. He points it off when he said, I would have kicked y'all ass. It, like hilarious moments like that. And just, you know, the NBA Finals MVP is named after him. And we always love seeing Bill Russell be, you know, giving back to the league that he loves so much, man. Um. It's awesome. It's awesome. And uh, what a what a legend, winner, trailblazer. We lost another one, another great player from the golden years. Um, five MVP awards. I think one of the greatest people to put a jersey on. Michael Wilbon has had this, but he's one of the greatest players to ever. Bless the court. Um, he is the epitome of what a NBA player should be, a man should be, sticking up for what you believe in. Um, household name. If you love basketball, you know you you know who Bill Russell is. 
Um, I'm sure that racial prejudice was running rampant during the 60s. He overcame that. I'm sure Boston is not an easy town to play in during those times. Um, respect. Respect. think um, just the respect, man. I remember this story, too. I had to double-check, but I only think he attended his jersey retirement. Whenever they retired his jersey, I remember he did attend that, and I think it was his Hall of Fame introduction. I got to double-check that. I don't even think he attended those things because he was against the people in Boston. I don't remember, but I think it was just that that city gave him something. I just don't remember him attending that. Um, I remember, you know, I'm looking at this now. Yeah, when when this when taking the knee against the you know in solidarity with the national anthem he was one of those athletes that said i would i'll be more than happy to stand with our with our nfl players at the time um just man if you look at some of these photos against him and will god they're fucking the immovable object and then the, the unmovable object in the fucking never ending force right that was how you say it um it's it's amazing man it's just Winning, he's a winner, legend, one of the stables in our in our basketball community, man. Just it's you can't say enough about him. And another player, man, just gone and love Bill Russell, man. I'm a, I'm a Laker fan, but fuck, you gotta respect Bill Russell and those damn Celtics. I only think that, you know what I know what stat they weren't keeping track of. This is almost a fact. I'll double check, motherfucker. Never it, it, those blocks were not even. They didn't even keep account of most of those blocks in the beginning of his career. I don't even think a fucking block became an actual stat till later on, maybe in the late sixties, mid sixties. Like they didn't keep track of the blocks. I'm sure the block stats would have been astronomical. Um, you know, such a hero to like the kids, like I guess the kids to him, Shaq, Keen, Patrick, David Robinson, Tim Duncan. They all looked up to him. And uh, this left a legacy that's never going to be. We're never going to see another Bill Russell. The man was a player coach, I think, for the last two years of his, of his career. We're not going to see a lot of that again. Um, sad. Just another another legend we lost with the time. You know, another one. He belongs to the ages. And always going to respect Bill Russell. Awesome. Awesome player, awesome career. Him and Kuzi and Havacek, he was a part of those great times in the NBA, building the NBA to what it is. Uh, oh, man. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, just see what, just, you know, we got to really pay respect to our legends, man. Sad to say. Bill Russell, rest in peace. Died at the age of 88 years old, July 31st, 2002. Rest in peace to the legend. And uh, that's what I got for you guys today, man. Episode 120. I hope you guys listen. Keep listening, man. We're gonna keep putting. I'm gonna keep trying to put as much content as I can. Give you guys a journey of the coach, journey as the man. Uh, a lot going on, you know. A lot going on, and uh, school's right around the corner for the kids. It's crazy to say I'm not going back to. School. To, I'm not going to be in class this semester. Hopefully, we get into Cal State by January. We'd love to do that. 
DJ business, keep booking DJ EC3. I need, you know, I need it. Every gig's needed. <laughs> um, we're just trying to grow, trying to build, keep grinding, get a shirt. Let me know if you want to cop that. I got shirts on deck for the podcast, the DJ business, keep grinding. Uh, got keep grinding 2.0, 3.0, the original keep grinding. Uh, nothing, nothing happens without y'all, man. I appreciate everybody coming through, always listening, always supporting. This doesn't happen without you guys, and I really. I love all the listeners, love the family. Uh, y'all keep grinding. Whatever y'all going through, don't stop your grinding ever. When you give up, that's when they, that's when they win. And we're never going to let them win. We can't. This game called Life is short. It's precious. And um, I'm going to make the most of it. I hope y'all do too, man. Ernie C, the Gap Tooth Genius, 120. Keep pushing. Keep grinding. We out. Thank mm-hmm. you.